this is Kenny Williamson, and welcome back to another episode of McKill's Deck Chronicles. In this episode, we're going to be talking again with a pastor, Joey Faust, and he's going to be telling us just a little bit about one of his books that he wrote. It's called The Word, God Will Keep It, and it's a, it's a book about the 400-year history of the King James Bible only movement. So he's going to be talking to us a little bit about that and explaining why the King James Bible is the only version to use. And so I have some questions and stuff that I've had people ask, and we're going to talk to him about that, ask some questions, and he's going to uh, explain it all to us. So how does that sound? Oh, okay. Amen. God bless you, brother. Thanks for having me, and um, very important subject to talk about. Yes, I agree. So this book I have here that I wrote back in 2011, and it is the word God will keep it, as you said, and notice the 400-year history of not just the King James Bible, but the King James Bible only movement, meaning that it is a history, a documentation in every century of the vast number of people who believe the King James Bible was inspired. And... um they believed that God had did a miraculous work and had preserved the Bible in the final international language of the last days. And um, I go through and uh, quote, and this is important, brother, because what a lot of people said was, well, this is a new idea. It's some type of cultic thing to believe that the King James Bible is the word of God and and that God uh, preserved his word through uh, an English translation. And they they try to say that, okay, somebody named Peter Ruckman uh, was the inventor of that idea. And some say, well, it was some Seventh-day Adventist in the 1930s that invented this thing. And uh, I go through and document and show for 400 years just thousands of people uh believed that this Bible was the preserved word of God. And then I include the warnings of so many that said, if you overthrow this foundation, it will bring the greatest apostasy. It will bring the final deception of Satan in the last days because the certainty, the faith of Christians will be destroyed because um, really what you need to know is the people that put out these new versions and the people that endorse them, they do not believe there is any word of God that you could hold in your hand that is perfect. And that's how I got into this. Uh, I was reading apologetic literature on my bookshelf and I went through book after book and I could not believe it. My eyes were open. I'd never heard of King James only or a King James Bible only movement or anything like that. And I kept reading and they would say, we believe the Bible is inspired, infallible, perfect in the original manuscripts. And I'm like, what? We don't have any original manuscripts. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that um, these people don't believe we have a Bible anymore. They believe that textual criticism um can restore much of the Bible, um, but they don't have anything. They don't have a final authority, 
see. So now you're dependent to even know what the Bible is upon these this priesthood of scholars. And so I go through and show the men who claim to have new manuscripts and that we need to go back to these so-called older manuscripts. Uh, West Cotton Hort were their names in the 1800s, and they gave us a new text and a new English version. And I document their necromancy. They participated in seances. They were um, liberals and higher critics and believed in evolution and all kinds of things. But the important thing is they dug up these Gnostic manuscripts and have replaced our Bible with this new corrupt version. And uh, they don't say it's perfect, but yet they, they try to overthrow. And this is the, this is where the NIV, the new American standard Bible, uh, they're all descended from what West Cotton Hort did. And I have here, we'll get onto some questions, but, um, I have here at the beginning of my book, um, Manly P. Hall in 1944, and he was called um, one of the most infamous Satanists. Uh, he claims to be a high-ranking Mason, um, occultist. And Manly P. Hall said a very, very um, fascinating quote. He told us that they're going to use the same conditioning that the Nazis used. He says here in 1944 that um, we've got to begin in the public schools. We have to undo much that is cherished error. Now, these are the occultists talking. And he says the problem of revising the Bible shows how difficult it is to do this. For the last hundred years, we have been trying to get out an edition of the Bible that is reasonably correct, but nobody wants it. What's wanted is the good old King James Version, every jot and tittle of it, because most people are convinced that God dictated the Bible to King James in English. The solution to this whole problem is psychology. We have to be conditioned. And he says we're going to use public education, psychology, propaganda, to try to continue to get people away from the King James Bible to these modern versions. We just got to ask a question here as we begin, brother. Why would this man, who is called the most infamous, greatest occultic person of all times, he claims that they are trying and have been working to get people away from their belief in the King James Bible. And he goes on. He says the Sinaiticus, where all the new versions are based on, the manuscript, um, is the greatest book of all time. Why would this Luciferic man believe that the manuscript, that new versions come from? I'm going to tell you why. Because new versions come from pagan Gnostic manuscripts and 
they are demonic. They are filled with um, not only attacking the gospel, attacking salvation by grace through faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they attack your certainty. And uh, we can go on to any questions you might have, uh, but um, I want to give some verses later on how new versions destroy your certainty, your ability to reason, and why this is occultism at its very heart. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, what we have here is we have we had the Bible, the 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 manuscripts that were out there, but they were not in English. And so, people through you know Tyndale. Coverdale, Matthews, the Great, the Bishop, Geneva Bible, those are all trying to get it translated into English for a normal person to understand. And so, of course, eventually they came up with the King James Version, which is the final and seventh seventh version of it. So, yes, well so that's been a good, obviously a good translation. So now, if I understand this right, you've got these people come along later, like this Westcott and Hort, they are probably Luciferians. They're occultists. They do everything but want to read the Bible. And they all of a sudden come up with a, another manuscript. And if I understand it right, they claim that this manuscript predates the King James Version manuscript. So they claim that it's older. And so because it's older, it must be better. Am I understanding that right? And this and this particular manuscript came from like Alexandria, Egypt, you know, something that's and it's like a manuscript that was found in a trash can, that kind of stuff. Like can't yeah, even you're, be you're, verified. You're very close. You're very close. There were um two manuscripts, they call them Vaticanus, Vaticanus and Sinaiticus, and these were uh, corrupt manuscripts that were rejected by the mainstream Christians, uh, the, the true believers. And um, they basically are Gnostic. You know, the, Christianity was attacked even in the days of the New Testament by these Gnostics that were teaching that basically what you do in your body doesn't matter and that um, Jesus Christ, it's really all the, it's this the spirit it's what you think in your heart, how you feel in your heart. It's the inside. That's the only thing that matters. And um, it's this new knowledge that we need. And so it was really a mixture between paganism and Christianity. And when you have that, that mixture between the two, that's what the Roman Catholic Church was based upon and came out of. And so... Yes, they went back to these rejected manuscripts that they claimed were older. And what ended up happening was um, we now have corrupt manuscripts. We have corrupt Bible versions. We have no final authority. I'm talking about the, the people that believe in these new versions. They have no final authority. And these Bible versions are hurting their Christian walk. And it's caused people to just reject. Some are going to the Catholic Church as the authority. They're saying, hey, 
if we don't have a Bible, then I have to have an authority. So they're running to the Catholic Church. And see, this was designed by Satanists. This is why you have so much paganism that has entered the churches today and, and so much loose living and so much confusion. So um, I believe your summary is correct. Yes. Okay. Well, that's that's kind of what I had understood. And then, of course, you've got these Westcott and Hort who translated supposedly this. You've got these manuscripts that were translated. And, of course, it doesn't match up with the King James Version. And, of course, they probably couldn't go too far out because it would throw a red flag immediately like, hey, that's not what the Bible says. So they just kind of had to subtly change it. And people don't really notice it, but each time it's updated, we have another change. And pretty soon, kind of like the NIV comes up and comes up. And here a while back, I was reading a deal where, like, if you got an NIV before a certain year, it was a regular NIV, which is closer. But you get the new one now, and, of course, they've taken out, you know, there is no male. It's gender neutral. So right. they have literally they tried to move a little. Yeah. They tried to move a little too quick with that, and there was a big outcry, you know. Uh, but but yet now they're subtly introducing it back in, and and you're right. They have to do it subtly, like the devil, the serpent, uh, was was more subtle than any beast of the field, and and you know he he comes in like that, you know, very carefully. All you need is a little bit of poison to. Uh, to do a whole lot of damage. Right. See? So, so basically a new, a new person or a new Christian could pick up one of these new NIVs, you know, if they advertise at the Bible bookstore and it's real fancy and it's all different colors and all that stuff. And they could pick that thing up and read through it. And there's not going to be anywhere in that book that it talks about. You're not supposed to be gay. You know, there is no man, there is no woman. I mean, everything's gender neutral. I mean, it's just been completely whitewashed. So they could take that Bible and go do all kinds of stuff and say, well, it's not in the Bible. And then if, then if somebody mentions, well, the King James, all that old thing, I mean, that, get rid of that thing. That thing's a hunk of junk, you know? Yeah, you're more right than you realize because these Gnostics in the Bible uh, uh, that, that the Lord warned about in the Bible, these Nicolaitans and, and these corrupt Christians, so-called, that had mixed the Eastern religions and the pagan teachings. And uh, what happened is, at the heart of paganism is this bisexuality, it's this androgyny. Baal, the worship of Baal in the Old Testament that a lot of times God's people would fall into. They've dug up artifacts and things to show that Baal was androgynous. And the people who worship Baal did so by cross-dressing and, and all of this drag queen stuff that we see today. And at the heart of paganism, all paganism is this bisexual, androgynous teaching. So, yes, this is starting to be seen in the new versions. You know, there were even lesbians on the translating committee and that type of thing. So, you know, we're definitely uh, dealing with feminist, homosexual. Uh, there's a reason the homosexual churches love the NIV, you know, uh, so-called homosexual churches. 
Right. All right let me give you one scripture that, that really uh, will show you a little bit of what I'm talking about. Um, there is in our King James Bible in first Corinthians six verse nine, the Holy ghost through Paul says, know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. So this is talking to believers. So you will not be deceived about this inheritance at the second coming of Christ. And he says, neither fornicators. Okay. That's one thing. Nor idolaters. That's two things. Nor adulterers. That's three things. Nor effeminate. That's four things. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That's five things. Now, the NIV takes that verse and they say, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral. Okay, there's one. Nor idolaters, two. Nor adulterers. Nor men who have sex with men. Something's missing here. They jumped right into what the King James calls abusers of themselves with mankind. They went from adulterers right to men who have sex with men. But our King James Bible went from adulterers to effeminate, then to abusers of themselves with mankind. Here's the point I'm getting to. The sin of being effeminate has been erased from the modern versions. This is so important because the culture doesn't fall into sin just immediately. I mean, it's a rapid fall. It's just like people that commit fornication or people who become drunkards. The Bible says, don't look at the wine. And that's how you avoid becoming a drunkard. In other words, you don't make provision for the flesh. So the Bible says it's an abomination for a man to wear that which pertains to a woman and for a woman to wear that which pertains to a man. That's in Deuteronomy 22. So the culture, you had these rock bands where, and they were androgynous. They were following the Eastern religions and this Gnostic teaching of Aleister Crowley and theosophy and that type of thing. So in the 1960s, you had these rock bands come out with long hair like a girl, moving and acting like a girl, men wearing girls' clothes. Then that led to the 70s and the disco age where these men, you know, they sang like girls. They put on these silk shirts and they, you know, were dressing like women. And then you just had the the biggest explosion of homosexuality that our nation has ever seen. And so the NIV has removed the sin of being effeminate. And there's a reason they did that, see. And you say, well, it's, they, they still put in there, at least in this version of the NIV, that it's wrong for men to, what they call, have sex with men. Well, where is the sin of cross-dressing in the NIV? What these drag queens are doing. You have drag queens in Plano in a restaurant with little kids there doing the most insane, gross things that are unmentionable that just happened. Tucker Carlson on Fox News exposed it. You have drag queens coming into libraries of elementary schools and this type of thing all around the country, dressing like women. And and, uh, see, the NIV has removed these, and that's just one thing. 
they've removed fast. The, the Lord Jesus says, um, this kind cometh not out, but by uh, prayer and fasting. And the NIV just removes the whole verse, even removes the number. You know, it, it just just deletes it. Um, so holiness is affected. What the Bible teaches about morality is all downgraded, watered down, or removed in these new versions. So if a person didn't know any of this stuff, which a lot of people don't, and they start going to church and let's say, you know, they get saved and all they have or all they even know about an NIV or whatever, whatever version other than a King James. I mean, obviously in your opinion, they can, you can still get saved on an NIV. Would you say that? Well, the problem is, um, since the NIV contains some of the word of God, just like somebody can get saved with a gospel track, you know, um, you can get saved by a sermon. Uh, if you hear the gospel, um, the problem is the NIV begins to change the actual gospel into a work salvation that all religions can agree with. So you can finally have this universal church. And a lot of people that were behind the new version says, Hey, we're working on a one world church. We're trying to put out a version that everybody, and that's why the Luciferians and the occultists all agree with it. Everybody wants this universal government controlled church, you know, but, um, so yes, somebody, can get saved by hearing the gospel. Um, but it's very downgraded and watered down in these new versions. And a lot of people maybe don't get saved that would have, I'll give you an example. The new American standard Bible in John three thirty six reads this way. He who believes in the son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the son will not see life. But our King James Bible says, he that believes on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. Every Christian somewhere disobeys the Lord Jesus. Nobody's perfect, and we're all growing, and you need to confess your sins, tell God you're sorry, so you could stay in fellowship and get the rewards that he has for you. But it's like with one hand, they tell you, get saved by believing. And then with the other hand, they take it away and put you back under the condemnation of works and under the law. And you would not believe the places where the NIV does that, you know, uh, like uh, Abraham, according to Paul in Romans four, it says uh, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. He's talking about when Abraham looked at the stars in Genesis 15, and and Paul goes on to say, Him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Well, you get over to Genesis 22, many years later in Abraham's life, and the King James Bible says, God came to him and said, Because thou hast done this thing, and hath not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee. 
and in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven. What God's saying in Genesis 22 is because Abraham was obedient, he gets a reward now. He gets a blessing inside of a blessing. God says in the King James Bible, in blessing, what he got by faith, I'm going to bless you. Meaning you're going to get extra credit. You're, you're going to get this wonderful reward. Oh, no, not in the NIV. In the NIV, God comes, and after Abraham attempts to sacrifice his son, the NIV reads, I will surely now bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. In other words, the NIV now says, hey, Abraham, now that you've been obedient, I'm going to give you this promise, which Paul gives us an example of eternal salvation. That's a horrible thing. So the NIV takes away the gospel of the free grace that, that if you know you're a sinner and you come to the Lord and believe upon the finished work of Christ, you're saved. John three sixteen. But the NIV is full of subtlety where it um, teaches a salvation by works. Even the deity of Christ is diminished uh, in, in these new versions, you know, Paul in Philippians 2 says, "Who Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The NIV says, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So the King James Bible says, our Lord, he didn't think it was robbery. It wasn't stealing for Jesus to say, I am God, to be equal with God. He's not stealing anything. But the NIV says, oh, no. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So over and over, it knocks, it deletes, diminishes the deity of Christ. It deletes the gospel. It deletes or diminishes morality. And it even deletes whole Bible verses. A yeah. lot of times it's very subtle. You know, our, our Bible says, watch and pray in Mark thirteen thirteen. The NIV will say, be on guard, be alert. Nothing about praying. Nothing about praying. It says in Luke 4 of the King James Bible, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The NIV just omits by every word of God. Who would want you to not know that you you need every word of God to live in exactly. the right way? Exactly. You know, we could go on and on, brother, on and on. I see that. Yeah, and I have a yeah, I have a list here of like at least sixteen that verses that were completely omitted. Um so what I'm what I'm get, gathering from this is let's say you go down and you get saved, you get saved, uh, you know, you hear a you hear a sermon, you get saved, you're honestly saved, and you have a you have an NIV Bible. Now, what I have noticed with a lot of people is a lot of people have a Bible, but they don't read their Bible. Yeah. So let's say a person gets saved and they're saved. Okay. Once saved, always saved. And that's what you believe as well. I'm correct on that. Right. So yeah, once you're saved, you're saved. So now you've got this dumbed down, watered down Bible in front of you, but you don't read your Bible anyway. So you're never going to run into that because, because you don't read your Bible. So all you're going to do, probably you're saved, but you know, let's say you go to church or whatever, and you listen to some sermons, you're never actually going to get in there and see the stuff that's missing. So 
when it's really going to start affecting people is let's say you're saved or you're a preacher or you're a pastor and you're starting to teach out of it and you're teaching a watered down version, you know, that's, you're teaching something and, you know, or maybe a person's listening to your watered down version and they haven't been saved. Like you're saying, they may never get saved. Yes. So, I mean, if you're already saved, you could probably, you know, squeak by with it. Of course, if you're actually reading the word, you'd want to read this, you know, you'd want to read God's actual word, not a man's dumbed down version of it, you know, to fit the times. But, you know, if you don't read your Bible and you're saved and you don't care, I guess then it'd be like, oh, well, it doesn't matter to me. Well, I don't read the Bible anyway. Because I know yeah, a lot of people like that. that. I know a lot of people like that. I mean, they're never going to get down into the nitty gritty and say, oh, we're missing a verse here. They're going to be like, oh, okay, well, I don't know. Never read it to begin with. How would I know it's missing? So if somebody said I'm eternally saved, why do these Bible versions even matter then? Well, we have to remember there's more than just being eternally saved in the Bible. God calls us to holiness. God wants us to walk with him in fellowship. God wants to reward us and use us. And um, all of these things, the glory of God, holiness, uh, being faithful. He tells us that some at the judgment seat of Christ, though they're saved in eternity, are going to show up with all their works burned up. And they're not going to have anything at the judgment seat of Christ. And... Although they're eternally saved, that doesn't mean they're not going to lose something. The Bible speaks of a thousand-year kingdom upon this earth um, where there's a reigning with Christ. And the Bible says if we suffer, we shall reign with him. But there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be unfaithful servants at the judgment seat of Christ. And Paul says that they will receive in their body the things done in their body at the judgment seat of Christ. He says in second Corinthians chapter five, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So this idea that, Oh, well, I'm once saved, always saved. Well, I believe that. And I believe that it's by grace that we're saved, not our works. Our works have nothing to do with it. However, we are going to be judged on the works we have done after we're saved for reward and for this reign in the thousand year kingdom of our Lord. And so listen to these Bible verses for a moment. It says in John 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. To be sanctified means to be set apart, to be cleansed, to what, what, what's going on with believers today? How many of them are sanctified? How many of them are walking clean lives? Well, the Bible says it's through the word of God that we get sanctified talking about practically in our daily walk. Well, if you don't have the true word of God, it's like washing your car with dirty water. You know, right? Uh, who, who wants to take a bath in dirty water? Listen to this one. Second Timothy three, 16, all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So now you've got believers 
they might they may be saved. They might have heard the gospel and got saved. However, they're not equipped anymore. They don't have the true scripture. They don't have the full scripture. So they're not getting reproved. They're not getting correction. They're not getting instruction in righteousness. The NIV, as we said, totally removes the verse that this kind cometh not out, but by prayer and fasting. They're not learning anything about various aspects of obedience and holiness. They've got a watered down, dirty water type of sanctification because their Bible, so-called, is corrupt. The Bible says scripture so we can walk perfect, truly furnished. And none of us are absolutely perfect, but you ought to be growing. And we ought to be um, racing toward this perfection, striving. The Bible says also that put on the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And part of that armor, he says, is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There are Christians today that are not standing against the devil. They're not standing against his deception, his wiles. And they have a butter knife. They don't have a sword. <laughs> they have a plastic butter knife. Yeah, you know, what's they're not able to stand against the devil. Isaiah 26 in the King James Bible says, "Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. The NIV says, whose minds are steadfast. What happened to your mind? You could be steadfast uh, watching a wicked movie. You could be steadfast uh, doing a lot of things with your mind. But what about your mind being stayed on God, being stayed on the truth? See, over and over, the new versions diminish or dilute or totally just, um, they just get rid of delete uh, whole verses. Our King James Bible says, casting down imaginations, 2 Corinthians 10. The NIV says, demolishing arguments. But doesn't the believer need to know that there are imaginations that you have that you need to cast down? Not in an NIV. Right. Demolish arguments. What does that mean? It means nothing. So that's the Christianity you're going to get. We have a watered-down Christianity because we have largely a, a populace. You, you have so-called Christians that are using corrupt, occult, feminist, androgynous, immoral Bible versions. And it's no wonder that the churches, even those who care to go to church, um, it's no wonder they're living the way they're living. Some of them might really want to live right, brother, but mm -hmm. they are, they're being denied the word of God. They're not getting the full truth, you know, the whole counsel of God, what Jesus called that we're going to live by every word of God that proceeds out of the mouth of God, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Right. Well, well, I've noticed because I, I listen to a lot of different preachers and I've noticed that most of them that I've watched and listened to 
is they will, what they do is they use all different translations and what they'll say is, well, this one's easier to understand. So they'll read a scripture and they'll read it and say, well, this one describes it a little better so you can more easily understand what we're talking about here. And I think maybe some of them do, you know, it, it reads a little easier, you know, but um, I think a lot of them do it for that as well. They're just like, well, you know, the King James is just so hard to understand, even though it's really not. Actually, but. that's a myth. That, that, that's a myth. But but you're, you're right. People have been taught to believe that. Uh, the King James Bible has its own built-in dictionary where it will over and over again explain its meaning. It's on actually a lower grade level than the new Bible versions that are coming out. So it has been proven that in one sense, it's easier to read than the new version. So we've got to get rid of that. See, see, people need confidence that they can pick up a King James Bible and through prayer and having some folks help guide them who have read it before, that they could actually learn and understand but if you're taught the whole time when you're trying to read and trying to understand, hey, let us translate that for you over here in an easier way. Hey, they're not just translating it in an easier way, brother. They are absolutely giving you a total different, in many, in many cases, interpretation of that verse. See, it's not just somebody trying to help you understand the scriptures better. It's, um, that's what commentaries are for. These are new Bible versions that are using the idea that they're easier to understand, which they are not, um, to trick you into total different doctrine, total different doctrine. And really the whole thing is to destroy the idea of certainty. You know, I have a, a chapter in my book here called sowing devilish doubt. And remember, what did the devil, the serpent, say to Eve? Yea, hath God said? You see how he questioned the word of God here? What we're moving toward is a new Christianized mysticism. Uh, all this stuff that's coming out on Disney and these new movies, and, you know, it's all a world religion preparing for the Antichrist. Let me just give you some Bible verses about this. Remember in our King James Bible, in 2 Thessalonians 3, Paul says that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Here, it's a bad thing to be unreasonable. Paul says you need to be delivered from unreasonable men. Oh, not in the New Bible versions. The NIV says... Pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. What happened to unreasonable? Right. God says in Isaiah 1, verse 18, in the King James Bible, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Not in the New Bible versions. The NIV says, Come now, let us settle the matter. What happened to reason? What happened to reason? Why are they getting rid of reason? If you go back at the very heart of Satanism, Anton LaVey says all of the satanic rituals 
whether it's doing drugs or participating in a satanic ritual, it's all what he called an anti-intellectual device. And by the way, he said that the modern Hollywood movie is a satanic ritual, most of them. But the idea is to get rid of thinking, to get rid of your rational mind. All of the New Agers and the whole New Age movement, Shakti Gawan, she says you've got to get rid of this idea of certainty. You've got to get rid of this thinking. You've got to just follow your heart, see. Aleister Crowley, the pedophile, wicked Satanist who called himself the Beast, he wrote in his Book of Magic and others that the no mind, you've got to get rid of the thinking. That do whatever you, you want to do. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And that the mind, I think his quote was, is the great enemy. It was Buddha that says the no mind, no thinks, no things. All of Eastern mysticism, all of occultism, all of Satanism is silencing your mind. That's what yoga, meditation, Eastern meditation. It's all about chanting and getting rid of your rational mind. So now you open up. These uh, new Bible verses, it says in Acts 1 in the King James Bible that he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. Somebody's against infallible proof because the NIV says convincing proof. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, it is certain we can carry nothing out. Oh, not in NIV. It says we can take nothing out. Proverbs 22, the KJV says that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth. Oh, not in, NIV, not in an NIV. The NIV says teaching you to be honest and speak the truth. Where is the certainty? Where are the infallible proofs? Certainty is removed over and over again. He says in 2 Timothy 3, King James Bible, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of. Oh, not new Bible verses. Uh, NASB says been convinced of. There's a big difference between being convinced and be assured. Oh, I can go on and on, and I do in my book. Anywhere you have the word certainty, it's removed in the New Bible versions. Anywhere you have anything about surety or the sure word of prophecy, it's removed. King James Bible says the testimony of the Lord is sure, not in an NIV. It says in John 6, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, not in the NIV. Psalms 93 says thy testimonies are very sure, not in an NIV. Jesus says, search the scriptures in John 5, not in an NIV. Over and over and over. Who is it? No wonder the Satanist and the occultist love the new Bible version. So when people say there's no difference between the King James Bible and the New Bible versions, it's only because they've never sat down side by side and gone through that long, grueling task of looking verse by verse to see you would not believe the thousands of differences. I had some hippies, some rock and rollers come to my house, oh, many, many, many years ago. And uh, we were going to have a Bible study. And um, I had on my shelf some new Bible versions. And uh, they picked them up. And we got ready to start. And even though 
they had they, these were not church going people. They picked up the NIV and they began to read and they said and they actually threw it down. They said, "What in the world is that? That's not the word of God." They had enough discernment to know that this is like some packaged, polished, watered down um, thing called the word of God, you know. So I believe there's a subjective witness. I believe the Holy Spirit, if you think about it, and, and if you listen to him as he guides your reason, you will see that um, these new versions are, are counterfeit. They are laced with poison. Exactly. I, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I th- have thought for years myself. I have, uh, that's what I read is the King James Version, and that's all I have. And I started off with an NIV years ago when I first got saved. But like like I've told you before, is, is I had an NIV, but I actually never read it. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't even read the Bible back then. And there's a big difference in living your life when you actually sit down and read the Bible, you know, than versus just saying, oh, you know. A lot, a lot of Christians yeah, just go to church and they don't actually read their Bible at all. They just, whatever a preacher says is what they believe. So, so important to read the Word of God. But the NIV, even from a practical standpoint, you know, think about it. Not only is it changing the scriptures, but it's putting brackets all over the place saying, you know, you'll meet somebody on the street and you'll say, uh, here, Here's an NIV, uh, or maybe you'll meet a, a modern Christian, and they'll have an NIV, and you'll say, um, why don't you open real quick to um, Acts 8.37, and let's see what your version says. And all of a sudden, they'll open up their their NIV, and they'll just sit there, and they'll be quiet, and they'll be quiet. And I'm like, what's the matter? And they'll say, well, mine goes from verse 36 right to verse 38. There's not even a verse 37. <laughs> they just omitted it. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, they, they admitted the whole verse number. And that happens again and again. But you got to look at why was it omitted? In Acts 8.36, it says, They went on their way, and they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Acts 8.37, in the King James Bible, Philip said, If thou believest, with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's been deleted from the New Bible versions. Why? Yeah, that's, that's because the, it's showing yeah. that you're supposed to be a believer before you're baptized. Now, who is that going to, who's going to be offended by that? Roman Catholics that believe that you're to be sprinkled with water as a baby? There's many Protestants that believe that you're supposed to be sprinkled with water as a baby. And that's so, so this is saying before you get baptized, you're supposed to be a believer. Baptism is, you know, the first step of your open confession and obedience to God. And uh, it's something you do as a public testimony because you love God and, and, and you are being obedient. But um, basically this verse has been deleted and, so you're reading along and there's these brackets. It says this chapter shouldn't even be and you know, nobody knows we're debating it. What does that cause people to do, bro? It causes people to say, you know what? Christians don't even know where the Bible is. 
I tell the story often. Uh, one time I was preaching on the street and this man came up and he said he was a high priest in the Wicca church, the witchcraft church. He told me that he went to Dallas seminary and they told him there that there is no Bible. Christians do not have original manuscripts and nobody knows what the Bible is. So he left Christianity and became a Wicca priest. So I had to witness to him and show him. And um, he was pretty shocked to hear when I began to say somebody lied to you. We do have a Bible today and you can be certain that it is the word of God. We need to open up that Bible and we need to know not only the thousands of Christians before us that believe that King James Bible were the word of God, but we need to know the fruit that it has brought forth. Why do the Masons and the Satanists and the occultists and the homosexuals, why do they hate that King James Bible? There's something about that book that evil people hate and it has brought forth fruit. It testifies that it is the word of God, the perfect inspired word of God, because the Lord told us that heaven and earth shall pass away, but, uh, his words will not pass away. And he told us that the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. We believe God has preserved the word of God. And though ancient Greek is a dead language and ancient Hebrew uh, in many ways is a dead language uh, for most of the world, I'm going to tell you, we have the Word of God right now in the English language, and it's living. You go to Japan, they're doing business in English. English is the international language of the end times, and God has put his Bible miraculously in the English language in our King James Bible for 400 years. It's brought forth fruit. Don't change it. Don't change it. Stick with the Word of God. Yeah, because I've, uh, I've uh, talked to people in the past, to different preachers, and I had one of them say, had one of the preachers say that uh, the King James um, had, you know, the reason it had this verses omitted, is it, is it, or like an NIV had this stuff omitted, it actually didn't have the stuff omitted, the King James had it added by scribes, and it had no business to be there to begin with, and so. Well, you need to ask him, give me your, um your Bible. Give me the perfect Bible so we can look and compare it. Without an absolute standard, we're just talking in the wind. Where's the Bible at? He's going to look at you and say, well, we don't have one. Yeah. Well, why, why, why do you want to talk to this fella who doesn't even believe he has a Bible? These people that give you the NIV, they don't believe the NIV is a perfect Bible. They don't believe in a perfect Bible. See, that way they can change it every few years and uh, sell you another one. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, you, somebody like that says, Hey, you know, your, your, your Bible, your King James has got stuff added. And it's like, okay, well, if you don't think the King James is right, you know what? Yeah. Like you're saying, show me the perfect Bible, the one that's a hundred percent guaranteed, you know, and they're going to say, well, you know, this one's older manuscript supposedly. And, you know, older does not necessarily mean better. That's for sure. But understand, they don't even believe, even though the great Satanist said that this old manuscript uh, is the greatest book in the world. The Sinaiticus, uh, listen, they don't believe that that is the perfect Bible. They don't believe in any perfect Bible. 
because again, they want you to be submitted to textual criticism. So the scholars are the ones you trust. It's just like the medical industry, you know, in the 1930s, they really, really worked hard to prohibit anybody from practicing medicine unless they went to these certain schools um, and become licensed according to these so-called government standards. And so now you've got this controlled medical system to sell pharmaceutical drugs and that type of thing. And, and um, I'm not telling you that it's 100% wrong to, um, to use modern medicine. I'm telling you that you should not be limited to somebody that some medical mafia tells you is a doctor. You should be able to freely choose in the same way uh, when you have these controlled systems, this licensing, this this person over here is a scholar. You are to trust him. Well, who says he's a scholar? Well, he has the, he's a doctor. He has these theological degrees. And so you're, you're to let him show you what the word of God is because you can't understand it yourself. Well, we're right back to the Catholic priesthood where they said the farm boy can't understand the word of God. I had a priest one time I was witnessing to my friend, and he got saved, and he wanted his um, he wanted me to go witness to his uh, to his uncle, who was a Catholic priest. And so we went into the Catholic Church, and the priest sat down behind the desk, and I began to read about idols and from the Word of God how it's wrong to bow down. And this priest jumped up out of his chair in front of my relative, by the way, and began to cuss and said, you cannot, and he cussed, read the word of God. It is not for you to interpret the word of God. That's what the priest does. Well, he could just cuss, but there was a time when you could be locked up if you tried to interpret the word of God. See, So William Tyndale said, you know what, I'm going to make it to where the farm boy, the plow boy, could understand more Bible than the Pope, and I'm going to give him the Bible so we're not going to be subject to these to these priests, this priesthood, and we're going to be able to interpret the Bible for ourselves and have the Holy Spirit show us through the scriptures. And uh, they choked him to death. Yes, yeah, so they killed him. After they choked him, and before he died, as he was choking, uh, before they killed him, he said, um, Lord, please open the King of England's eyes. And so the King James translators came to say, we're just finishing just putting the finishing touches on what Tyndale gave us. And uh, we're putting the Bible back into the hands of the people, you know. Mm-hmm. So don't need this textual criticism. Just open up the Bible and read. It doesn't mean that it's not good to hear teachers or to see what they have to say, and but always compare it with the King James Bible. Let the King James Bible be your final authority. Search the scriptures to see if these things are so, like a Berean. Yeah, that is, uh, I think, you're. I mean, definitely everything needs to be compared. I mean, if you had another version and you're like, well, I know this one, you should always go back and compare it to the King James and verify that it's actually right and telling you the truth. 
You know, you can't you can't rely on some type of a butchered up, watered down something, and then you know that you're not certain of. You, you've got to have that a uh, authority, God's authority in His Word, and the certainty of what He said, not some type of a watered down version that's possibly been, you know, told to you by a Luciferian that's trying to mislead you. Yes, you know? sir. Yes. You've, you've got to consider the source too. You know, why, why, why would somebody change something that's working? And, you know, if you really wanted to just change it, for example, like I've been told, oh, it's just so you can understand it easier. Well, I mean, you know, the word certainty is not hard to understand. So why, why is it removed? I mean, you, you could, you could have said the same sentence and maybe said instead of ye or something, I mean, maybe you could take something out you know, change it up a little bit, but say the exact same thing in modern English, but they don't ever do that though. They completely remove and replace and butcher it. And I mean, it's completely different by the time they're done with it. Of course, at the same so time, on and on, but yeah. let me say this, the, um, a lot of people pick up the King James Bible and they, they say, well, it's using archaic words. Well, it's using actually the words that you will see in headlines all around the world in newspapers. And um, I used to sit down and collect out of the modern newspaper um, and modern headlines how often they use the King James Bible words that were supposedly dead words or archaic words. And think of the word eschew. The Bible uses the word eschew to avoid. You would not believe how often modern newspapers use that word, and, and they're not being funny. They're, they're not trying to be cute. Over and over and over, these words that are supposedly archaic are being used. Now, there's a reason the Bible uses the ye and the thou. And you need to know when Jesus says thou, or Jesus says ye, if Jesus just says you, then a question is going to come up in a lot of situations where you're going to want to know, was Jesus just talking to Peter or to John? Or was he talking to the whole crowd there? See, that's going to make a theological difference in many cases. And so it's very important for us to know that thou and thee, these are singular these are singular, but ye is plural. And uh, it really helps open up some things doctrinally when you have that in the English language uh, in your Bible to help you know whether the Lord is using the singular or whether it's using the plural. And um, I, guess, I guess they used ye because they didn't have you all. They didn't. Okay. Have, they did. They couldn't say, "Hey, you all need to do this." They didn't have you all back then, I guess. It's the same idea, though. Yeah. So I'm just. I'm just adding that there's more to this thing than than meets the eye on first appearance. You know, there's some reasons and there's some some things going on that are important. You know, I just want people to understand that the God will show you through 
the scriptures in the King James Bible. And when you read it and you start sitting down, it, it is an education. It does begin to teach you. And, um, you might have other questions about this issue, but I, I would challenge everyone to sit down and read the whole King James Bible. Make it your life. I meant for a second, whether you believe it's the inspired word of God. It's been said by presidents, by so many famous men, that it's the greatest masterpiece ever in the English language. Wouldn't it be the most important thing to sit down and read this important book? What you'll find is it's more than just this wonderful, great book. It's more than just the cornerstone of Western civilization. This thing is the word of God. But I have 330 pages, and we go through all kinds of things, uh, certainly others. Uh, you have uh, AV Publications and Gail Ripplinger, and she makes many works available on this subject. But what we've just got to get back to, where you got to start, is just picking up that King James Bible, asking God to give you understanding, and to just get the Bible in your heart in your mind, begin to read it. And I, I promise you, if you seek, you'll find. And uh, if you come to God and pray for wisdom and you begin to read, he will show you and you will begin to grow in your Christian life in a way that you would have never imagined. We must study to show ourselves approved in spite of the fact that that verse is removed from the NIV. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I've noticed one thing about King James in, in particular is, you know, you can go and read something and, you know, you might think, well, I've already read that. I've, I've read that chapter before. I've read that before. But you can go back and read it and something else will be revealed to you once you reread it. Because, you know, it's a it's a living document. And so Brother, things keep getting revealed to you as you read it. So you can go back and reread something and something else pops out. Is that I mean, right. as you grow and as you learn and as the Holy Ghost wants to reveal something to you, you know, you say, oh, I've already read, I've already read, you know, whatever, First Thessalonians. Yeah, I've already read it. Well, go back and read it again, and then something else will stand out, or it'll take you to some other place. So it's, it's a living document. It really, I mean, obviously, it's the real Word of God, and people don't understand that. When you actually sit down and start reading it, if you're actually saved and, like you said, you pray like you like you said there, the Holy Ghost will start revealing it to you. And then it's just when you start reading it, it's like, well, this makes perfect sense. There is no, there, you know, and there may be some weird words here or there, but, you know, you can look those up if you just absolutely don't know what they stand for or what they mean. I mean, you've, you've got little helpers that you can buy that says, hey, this word like a shoe means avoid. You know, if you just don't know what the word means, it, it, I mean, you can simply, because the thing is, is I know lots of people that read a regular version Bible, and there's lots of words in there they don't understand in modern English, as they call it. You know, Great level. It doesn't matter what book you read. I mean, depending on your level of being able to read, you may not know something. So you may have to look up the definition of something. When the Lord came and walked in human flesh as a perfect sinless man and, and 
I show in my book, he was called the Word. The Bible says the Word was made flesh. Now notice that the scribes, what were the scribes? They were the scholar crowd. They said, you know, the common people hear him gladly. But have any of the scribes believed upon him? Oh, they believe he's a good person. Just like people will say today, you listen to the scholars, they'll say, oh, yes, yes, you poor, pathetic, little, uneducated Christian. Oh, yes, we love the King James Bible. It's a beautiful, poetic work. Notice the difference there. A lot of people thought Jesus, oh, he was a good person, you know. Uh, He wasn't just a good person. He was the Word made flesh. And so I'm telling you that the King James Bible is the authority, the words of God inspired and preserved for us. And we would expect, this is my point, if God ever put his Bible in a preserved form that was perfect today, according to his promise, he said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Okay. If God fulfilled that promise, I believe he did, what would you expect people to do with such a Bible? You would expect the scribes to go crazy and to mock it and scorn it and ridicule it. You would expect Satan and all of the enemies of God to attack it. But you would expect millions of common people to seek it out and hear it and love it, especially in times of revival and wisdom. And so that's why I show in my book that uh, just the thousands and thousands of Christians that believed that that Bible was the word of God and, um, it's been rejected today and we're seeing the fall of our nation the fall of our churches, the fall of holiness. And these are the end times that Paul said in the last days, they will not endure sound doctrine. So brother, thank you for having me on and for giving me this time to present this truth. And I pray that, um, I pray that some Christians have been encouraged and motivated and challenged to, um, to pick that Bible up and read it in faith. The Bible says the word didn't profit them because it wouldn't mix with faith. Let's pick it up and let's believe it's the word of God. And uh, there, there's objective, re- reasonable evidence to believe. And uh, let, let's let God begin to grow us through that King James Bible. I agree. Well, let me ask you this. Where um, where can somebody get your book if they wanted it? Where can they go to to get that? Okay. Um, they can email me. Okay. At J, the letter J Faust, my last name, that's F A U S T, the letter J Faust, 1611 at gmail.com. They can go to Joey Faust, my name.com, and um, they can order online. And I also have an ebook version of it. You know, it's not as easy to read because it's less uh, of uh, the ebook. Uh, you know, I can email you quicker and uh, you can go through it. But uh, those are some ways that you could uh, order it. Okay. And AV Publications. And you can order from from them uh, my book and plus many others. 
avpublications.com. Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to include all that information in the description. So, you know, if anybody wants to look you up or give you an email, your your stuff will be right there on the bottom of the podcast in the description. So, anybody needs to get in touch with him, you got it, you got it right there. All right, well, I sure appreciate your time and explaining that to us. Um, I don't want to go too much over an hour. I don't want people to lose interest in it. So, yeah. I God sure bless you. Thanks again. Yeah, you too. And uh, I guess until the next time, I hopefully there will be another one. God bless, brother. Bye-bye. All righty. Bye-bye. Okay, and that wraps that one up. That was Joey Faust and talking about the uh, the Bible and the King James Version. And we sure appreciate you listening to this podcast. Um, all the information to get in touch with us or to Joey will be down in the description. So give us a holler if you have any questions or like us to talk about anything. We'd be happy to do something like that. So thanks again for listening. Until the next time.